Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business and career success. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Greetings and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Leonard, a 27-year veteran of the sales and marketing industry. Karian Therakan is the founder of the sales and marketing strategy firm, Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors. Karian is also the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell, which details how anyone can move people and mountains with the power of a story. During our conversation, we touch on building your brand and securing thought leadership space. Now let's listen in. Hey there, Karian. Welcome to the Boost Podcast. Kelly, thanks for having me on your show. Excellent. Excellent. So for folks who are hearing your name for the very first time, tell us a little about yourself. Well, uh, Kieran Therican. I'm a sales and marketing strategy consultant here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, way up here north. And I've been doing uh, marketing strategy consulting uh, for probably one way or the other 30 years. I actually am a partner in a digital marketing agency as well. We have a uh, probably close to 1,100, 1,200 uh, merchants in there. We're a Shopify marketing agency. Wow. We have about uh, 1,100, 1,200 merchants in that agency right now doing various types of aspects, either full-blown you know, marketing campaigns or learning how to market as well. It doesn't really matter what the um, product is or what the market is. All of these entrepreneurs go through the same problems. And uh, for the last uh, 25, 30 years, you know, I've been working with all sorts of different companies uh, I had the privilege of working with a number of them out of the University of Alberta, you know, coming out. And these are engineers and they're scientists and they didn't go to school how to sell or market. You know, they they went, you know, for the intellectual pursuits of how to create a product, you know, how to create a vaccine, you know, those kinds of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet they find themselves in a situation where they are forced to sell their ideas to attract investors, in fact, uh, attract employees and let alone attract to marketplaces. So uh, the, over those over those years, about three years ago, I uh, back in 2020, I wrote a book called "The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell," and it was a, my attempt at allowing these people that really didn't want to develop a sales process mm-hmm. to be able to convey their ideas and their messages, you know, persuasively through the most powerful medium that you really have. And this is, you know, you know, throughout human uh, civilization, this is the most powerful medium. And that is the medium of story. And uh, when I went through and wrote the book in my, uh, in my research, what I discovered was the most powerful marketing actually took its cues from great religion Mm. and a religion. There's been thousands of religions, you know, throughout human history Mm-hmm. And the most powerful, you know, right now uh, is our the top, the big religions right now are uh, Christianity, 2.2 mm-hmm. billion, uh, Islam, 1.9 billion. And they both come from Judaism, mm-hmm. you know, which is only 15 million people worldwide, mm-hmm. you know, 15 million. But these are all Abrahamic religions. Now. And then, of course, you have Hinduism and you have Buddhists, and you have everybody else, you know, Zoroastrians. Things like that. But all of these religions, if they were to survive to this age now, it's because they sell told very powerful stories. 
and very powerful story, complexes. And if you go to church, for example, you go to mosque, you can see that all these stories that you learn about uh, Jesus or the prophet or whoever else, you know, might be around, they all interlock mm-hmm. and they interlock into seven basic categories. Well, I, you have my interest peaked. So now I, w- and I had, so spoiler alert, I had all these questions planned and I wasn't even going to ask about the seven essential stories, charismatic leader style, but now you've piqued my interest to the point where I'm like, hmm. And I also know that you're in the process of writing leadership parables, yeah. right? The book, yeah, leadership. Second, my second so, book. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really curious to know, um, you know, maybe not all seven essential stories, but can you just give us a glimpse into perhaps one? Sure. Well, you know, see the seven stories. Okay. I, I, I'll quickly rattle them all. I promise okay. we'll more than a minute. Right. Okay. And you'll recognize them. Creation and origin. How did this begin? Identity, values, and beliefs. Who are we as people? Deep inside our hearts, deep inside our identity. The big idea, the central organizing principle that binds everything we do uh, together. The enemy we face. Who do we fight against or who do we fight for? So mm-hmm. an example, we fight against childhood poverty or we fight for adult literacy. But we need a rallying cry to organize our our efforts. Uh, story number five is all about the mighty winds. And the mighty winds are the big macro forces in the marketplace that buffet everybody. You know, your competitors, you, your uh, your your client. And these big forces are things like societal forces, technological, economic, environmental, political, legislative forces. And they're always present, creating tsunamis of destruction in the process in their wake, you know, and tidal waves of opportunity. So you can see, the, like, for example, the Internet was originally the uh, DARPAnet in 1969, but by 1994, it was destroying the newspaper industry. The beginnings of that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and only a few big players uh, survived. Now you have the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, but the small community newspapers, gone. The yeah. seats of that destruction started in 1969. And, of course, we had all sorts of other companies that come up and that took complete opportunity of that, you know, including the big computer companies, uh, the big microchip companies, let alone eBay and Facebook and all these big multi, multi hundred billion, if not trillion dollar enterprises. Story six is if all of those stories are true, the first five stories, there's an equal sign. And the equal sign says, then this is the journey we must undertake. If your people find the first five stories believable equals, obviously, this is the journey we must undertake. And then story seven is simply the telling of all six stories in one telling, but short, mm-hmm. but with the addition of keystone elements. And keystone elements guarantee your people the win. And common keystones you've uh, heard throughout history, superior people, superior God, superior strategy, superior technology. And this is what gives your people now the confidence after hearing those first six stories that, yeah, I can follow this leader. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a little longer than a minute, I know, but I know you were involved. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. And so I know we'd started this conversation by you sharing a bit about sort of your almost three decades of experience and that you've yep. seen a lot of different, you, you've worked with a lot of different organizations. And so I'd imagine that in those years, you've seen certain themes. And so what in your estimation is sort of the number one reason companies or organizations and or movements fail? Companies, organizations, products, movements don't fail first. Now let's talk about companies specifically. All of these things 
don't fail. Now, if I, I, it's the 1955 Fortune 500 list. Within 60 years, 88% of that list, uh, 88% of those uh, names were not on that list. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the companies failed or the products failed. And in fact, they may have just diminished, right? You know, Studebaker was not around, you know, 60 years later. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what failed first was their story. Hmm. They ceased to be relevant. They ceased to be functionally relevant. They ceased to be emotionally significant to the audience that they had. And if you think about, you know, how Studebaker came uh, onto the market, with, oh, my Lord, what an innovative car. You know, mm-hmm. but it never leave, lived up to its hype. You know, at that point in time, uh, we had all sorts of companies like that. But when the very first thing anybody buys from you, it doesn't matter what you're selling, selling your idea to join the the book club that you just started, let alone the new product you just invented. The very first thing that they buy from you, though, is the big idea. And from the big idea, there's a set of key messages. And then you wrap up the big idea and the key messages into a very specific transformation story. That's the big idea. The big idea is all wrapped up in the transformation story. And the transformation story is, this is who you are today. This is who you will become after consuming our products or services or anything yes. like that. Mm-hmm. And so that is the promise. Now, if the very first thing that anybody buys from you is the big idea in a transformation story, mm-hmm. then that makes your, tool, uh, your products only tools to fulfill the promise of that story, which makes you the fairy godmother or the wise wizard granting that uh, that uh, prospect, the hero of the story, the hero is your customer, granting them the magic amulet, the magic incantation, the magic sword, the tools, which are your products, to enable the transformation promise in your store. That's what you people buy. Okay. And so you alluded to key messages. Are there like a handful of key messages that make up the big idea? Well, th- there are probably very common type of a key message, but you have to decide what the key messages are specifically for you. Uh, the, one of the uh, categories, uh, one of the, one of the uh, frameworks I use mm-hmm. uh, came out of, I believe it was Bain and company. It might've okay. been Bain or booze or something like that. Booze Allen Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And they use a 3d fa- framework, you know, for three dimensional branding function, process, and relationship. What does it do? How does it do it? And who are the people behind the product? Mm-hmm. Function, process, and relationship. So the key messages have to at least encompass those three categories. And then from that perspective, like when you think of persuasion, because I think you had alluded to the fact that, you know, people are buying perhaps this big idea in the transformation story, but what's the most powerful story that you can tell in order to persuade someone? Well, well, the, all the stories are powerful in their own way. And it really depends what the void is in uh, someone's mind as to what they really need to hear next. But if you don't know what that void is, one of the clearest stories you can tell is the mighty wind story. And the mighty wind story, because these macro trends, societal trends, technological, economic, environmental, political, legislative trends, they're omnipresent. They're always present. And they are doing tidal waves of destruction and tsunamis of opportunity in their way. That by definition is what's happening. And so if you were to go and tell somebody this story about what the change is, and that change is inevitable, but we have a solution for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have a solution for that. They have to pay attention. 
Otherwise, they'd just be stupid. Mm -hmm. So it would be stupid not to listen to you. So Mm -hmm. if you have a relevant story all around the mighty winds. Mm-hmm. So what what about in the case of because if we think about a sales conversation, um, oftentimes, especially when you're just in that process of building a relationship with an individual or a pr- prospective buyer for the first time, there sometimes is a bit of hesitancy. There isn't always that level of transparency to allow you to define the void. And so absent the void, what is the story? Well, the the story, all of these stories are relevant, right? And it's very difficult to go into a situation cold. Mm -hmm. So you have to qualify your audience in some way, right? And the worst place to, uh, worst time to qualify your audience is in the process of the sale. Yes. You know, uh, I've got a great uh, story, uh, great uh, article on my website, strategypeak.com, all about uh, a Boeing 747. Mm-hmm. And Boeing 747, so I think the very first 747 rolled off the, rolled uh, into the skies, you know, took off in the skies in 1969. And it was the biggest jumbo jet at that time. Mm-hmm. And in an ideal circumstance, you need two miles of runway to get a Boeing 747. There's different sizes of 747s. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, you need about two miles of runway to get that off uh, the ground at the proper speed and safely. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can do it in as little as a mile and a half, mile and a quarter. You know what can't be done? Taking that huge multi-engine, you know, thousands of pounds of fuel and cargo and people's mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. and trying to get it off the ground 500 feet. Mm, right. It, that that is just dangerous and stupid. Right. Dangerous and stupid. But that's exactly what a lot of naive uh, salespeople try and do as well. They go into the into a uh, a sales situation and they have five hundred feet of runway. They might only have a hundred feet of runway, and they have a hundred feet of runway to get that prospect's mind into the sky of possibility. That's a really tough gig, yeah. a super tough gig. So. Yeah. That's why marketing is so important. And I use a volleyball analogy. Mm-hmm. And the volleyball analogy is simply this. You know, the way you score a point is by spiking the ball onto the other side's net, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to get the ball up and center in a perfect spot that anybody can spike it, not just your best best players. Mm-hmm. And so the players are your sales team. What gets that ball up and high, nice and centered is marketing. Mm. So if it's really bad marketing, it barely makes it over the net. You're not scoring a point. Mm-hmm. But if your marketing is perfect, anybody can score. You know, mm-hmm. and then that's what you really want to get down to. So marketing is the most important aspect of the sales and marketing process. And they're certainly not uh, the same things. Very different things, different skill sets, different kinds of people are attracted to those different types of roles. But the marketing part is the most important part because it allows you to get that ball dead center, nice and high, so that anybody can spike it. The number one tool of marketing is storytelling. Mm, yes. That is the number one tool of marketing. So in the sales process, you can reiterate the stories, but it's a really poor process, poor time to start a story. Because if you're starting a story, you're actually forcing that salesperson to engage in marketing. And salespeople usually are very poor marketers. Marketers are really poor salespeople most of the time as well. And so these are different roles, different skill sets, you know, and different ways of going about different things, uh, about things, right? And 
they're very different cultures as well. And so that story has to be embedded in your prospect's mind well before the sales process. A salesperson only has three things that they're supposed to do, only three. They have to maximize the potential of the sale in front of them, minimize the time to close, and three, close, maximize, minimize, close. Those are only three things that they're responsible for. Everything else, persuasion is not a part of a a salesperson's uh, role. It's not. Persuasion is actually a marketing function. Mm -hmm. So your job as a salesperson, when you're in front of a prospect, is to qualify. Are you supposed to be there? Mm -hmm. Is this uh, prospect qualified to go? And then maximize, minimize, close. Mm -hmm. That's it. Wow. I love um, the word picture and the, the, the Boeing um, airplane analogy. I mean, that, like, I could see visually and I, and it was, and I guess you're using your, the storytelling on me as a, I'm telling you little stories. <laughs> see, yeah, and, and if, you think, if you think about the way I've been telling those, they're very, uh, they have high imaginative imagery. You yes. can, you can see the story being. Told. Yes. Even the spiking of the ball, the ball. I pictured the ball in the air. I pictured the net and I pictured someone coming down on that ball and just. So, so yeah. I'm, I coach and mentor quite literally uh, hundreds of startup Shopify uh, merchants. Mm-hmm. They're just starting out. They got a great product and things like that. But you know, most of them did not go uh, to school to market or sell or anything like that, but they have an opportunity in front of them mm-hmm. and they want to, they want to take advantage of that. And so one of the lines is, and I, I really harp on this idea of big ideas, uh, all trans, uh, all wrapped up in a transformation story. And mm-hmm. one of the things I will do is, you know, in these coaching calls, I will look dead into the camera, just like this. Mm-hmm. And I will say the following thing. The spell is cast when you find yourself immersed in the stories they tell. Mm-hmm. And that's our job. Mm-hmm. Our job is to cast a spell. Mm-hmm. Okay, and to have such evocative words and imagery that you are just absolutely transfixed on the possibility in front of you. And mm-hmm. we've all had that experience of being in a movie theater where mm-hmm. you forget you're in a movie theater. Right. 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 You are yeah. so transfixed to the to the uh, to the screen. Yeah. That's the capture of what we want to do as well. And, you know, with the with the uh, Shopify store owners, I tell them, you know, we're in the business of theater. Okay, we're not the business of selling widgets. We're in the business of theater mm-hmm. and the theater part is entertainment. And there's and entertainment is not just about being funny. It's also about intrigue and curiosity mm-hmm. and suspense. You know, and it, we are in the business of ev- evoking imagination and capturing people's desires that we will eventually, you know, manifest into something that they can take home with them and create all their dreams come true. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned something a moment ago. You used the word culture. And Ooh. so I want to circle back and ask you a question about culture. Um, what are like the seven primary pillars of culture? And then how do they work uh, to drive an organization forward? So the first half of the book is all about it's all about culture mm-hmm. because that's the soil in which the seven stories grow. Okay. So the seven pillars of culture create the framework that you infuse the seven stories into. And so the seven pillars of culture, you know, uh, really straightforward things. Uh, first one, social organization. How is it structured? And so if you go to a class-driven society like India or, or England, for example, there's very, very clear demarcations 
of where you fit in, right? In the U.S. and Canada, not, not as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, in certain organizations, it's very flat. In other organizations, very hierarchical. You know, so it really depends what's that social structure. And the social structure has to be, uh, it has to be aligned with the purposes of the organization. Number two is language and writing. What is the verbiage that we use? Is it formal? Is it informal? Is there specialized vocabulary? And if you go to, what is it? Uh, and I spent a lot of time in university campus campuses and, you know, you talk to the profs and things like that. It's almost required that you use the word pedagogy at least two or three times. Uh Right. And, you Uh know, they are talking at a completely different level. I was once um, on the board of the uh, Association of the Chemical Professionals of of Alberta. And this is the board that actually certifies chemists, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for within the within the province. And I'm the lone not I'm not a chemist. Mm-hmm. And I'll be in these meetings with these guys, and I understood every third or fourth word. And those words also included if, this, then, and that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, they're talking at a completely different level. Well, language is a very important part of that. It, mm-hmm. it helps you tell, tell people who's in and who's mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, third, third pillar, religion. And religion is not necessarily the gods we worship, mm-hmm. although it can be. Mm-hmm. That's the popular context. The primary aspect of religion is the values and beliefs we worship. Those are the primary things, right? Uh, uh, Pillar four is forms of government. Is this an autocracy? Is it it ruled by a despot? Is it a democracy? Mm -hmm. You know, is it some hybrid in between? There's all sorts of different ways. How do decisions get made? Mm-hmm. Story number five is economic systems. How do we create value? You know, so what's the coin of the realm? What can it buy? How do we produce things? Now, back in the, you know, in the 1800, uh, in the U.S., over 60% of the population of the U.S. at that time worked in agriculture. By 1900, that had gone down to 42%. By 2023, it's probably less than 1% now. Mm-hmm. maybe a tad over one percent. Now, what happened during that time? Well, mechanization, industrial revolutions, you know, all cats caught up. Uh, all sorts of things happened that allowed greater efficiency on the farm and then more opportunities outside mm-hmm. of the farm, right? Uh, and a big part of that was just driving with the with the brand, brand new invention in the late 1870s, 1880s called the car. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time for Henry Ford, you know, was uh, rolling out the car in 1908, so, you know, like the Model T and such, not the Model A, but the Model T, because that really democratized the ability to buy a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, then all sorts of possibilities opened up at that point. Story, uh, uh, sorry, the uh, pillars, pillar six is the arts. What do we consider an art? And so this is the traditional thing, singing, literature, all right, plays, cinematography, there could be all sorts of things. But it's also about lifting your production to the level of an art. So if you look back in the, you know, back in the early 80s, 90s, you know, the average cell phone was a brick. It was an absolute brick. Then Apple comes along, right? And then, my God, what a gorgeous, gorgeous, sleek, beautiful, easy, intuitive product. And it lifted it to the level of an art. Yeah. Right? And, it's, and it's completely different types of thing. It goes from functionality to artistic level. And you can see that same kind of thing happen in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, like you can let, it, it's the exact same meal, but the way that the, you know, the mid-fair restaurant will do it and the way the Michelin star restaurant will do it yeah. is completely and wholesalely different. I know that if I have a hot dog at a Michelin starred restaurant, it will be a fabulous experience. 
Right. Completely different from a hot dog at Fenway Park. Uh-huh. No, completely different. And then finally, it's pillar number seven, it's customs and tradition. Okay. And customs and tradition are the, the ballast that hold everything into place. You know, it provides stability. And so very common customs would be things like Christmas and Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. uh, the way weddings are constructed and all these kind of things. But even those things, you know, like weddings, the way weddings are celebrated now are very different than they were 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it or just, even births, for that matter, all these. Yeah, gender- you know, gender <laughs> reveal. You know, setting fire to your house with a gender reveal, you know, like gone wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so goodness. all these traditions, you know, they come, they go, but some some absolutely stay. Yeah. And the question is, why do they stay? What mm-hmm. purpose do they serve? But mm-hmm. customs and tradition, you know, people take a lot of security from the customs and tradition an organization might have. Mm-hmm. And that might be as simple as the 10 a.m. coffee clutch. You know, you all trot down to the Starbucks and grab a coffee and you talk about all sorts of cool things, you know, right. about what you're working on, what you're not, you know, what's progressing, what you need help with. And as part of the functionality, uh, that tradition lends to the overall strategic objectives of that company. Well, this has been an enlightening and high energy. I love your energy. Thank you. Conversation. If folks are listening in and they want to just sort of tap into some of the resources or maybe even engage you in some way to get some coaching, what's the best way for them to reconnect with you? The easiest thing to do. And so first of all, the book is available for a whopping $3.49 on Kindle on the, on Amazon, right? Uh, and you will find a framework in there that was absolutely relevant to any situation you have. I promise. And if you don't want to buy the Kindle, just want to try it out first, come to my website, strategypeak.com, strategy and the mountainpeak.com, strategypeak. And on the right side, you can download an infographic with all seven stories in it. And you can do that for free. Plus, you can download a couple of chapters of the book as well. Uh, and then uh, happy to engage with anybody that uh, thought uh, they wanted some more information around it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time this evening. I am grateful and thankful for the many ways that you support the thriving of business and economic development and human flourishing and all that great stuff. So thank you for your time this evening. Kelly, thanks for having me on your show. Well, that concludes this episode of the Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost related, you can visit our website at www.kellytleonard.com.